Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, family. Baby, you know we appreciate you, and it's time I got to know you even better. So, I got something very special just for you. A survey. Oh, yeah. We're trying to get to know all about you. Your interests, your hopes, your dreams, etc. Your answers will help us find advertisers that make sense for our listeners. That's you, baby girl. Or boy or non-binary person. Hell yeah, we inclusive in this bitch. It'll take five minutes and we'll love you forever. Check out the link to our survey in this episode's show notes. I have letters I through X to go through point by point for this. Number one, as we've said many times, diets don't work. Diets don't work. Diets don't work. It's a myth. Diets don't work. Sophie. I'm April, and this is She's All Fat. The podcast for body positivity, radical self-love, and chill vibes only. This week, we'll discuss Sophie's new Ikea dresser, a special live performance announcement, and going to the doctor. April. Yes. What are you obsessed with this week? All right. I think you know what my obsession's going to be. Is it Black Panther again? No, it's not Black Panther again. <laughs> um, so for the kiddos at home, I've been staying with Soph, so obviously she's going to know what I'm obsessed with because it's the only thing I'll talk about. Um, and this week it is... Is it Call Me By Your Name? No, it's it's T-Pain's cover of PYT. Oh my God, I didn't think you would actually do this to me. <laughs> so let me walk y'all through this. I don't know if you heard a couple weeks ago, but Quincy Jones, pretty much like father of R&B rock pop music, also Rashida Jones's dad... Um, he's 84 now. He lost all of his fucks. He doesn't have any to give. He did this interview where he was just like talking about everybody's like secret past and like openly answering questions like, what's the artist you least want to work with? Or like, who was the worst experience you ever had? And so he was asked this question in one of these interviews and he said, T-Pain. He said, I worked with T-Pain on this album where he had these artists cover songs that were like his previous hits. And he was like, it's the worst experience of my life. And so I was having, like, a real hard time at work, and I'm like, you know what? I want to dig into, like, what exactly was he talking about? I want to see another person's worst day at work. (laughs) Yeah, like, genuinely. (laughs) I'm like, I want to see, like, what what does it really look up to, like, fuck up on such a grand scale that, like, the guy who made Thriller is like, I hate you. So then I found found the tweets, because obviously after this happened, people are like, at T-Pain, explain yourself. So this is what T-Pain said about the subject. I'm just going to read you his tweets. Okay. For the record, I told my managers at the time, and I told Quincy Jones in his face, I don't want to remake any of your past records because I know I'm going to fuck it up. I'll never be able to reach the greatness of 
MJ. It took them hours to pump me up to even go in the booth. And I still hated it when I came out of the booth. Then the song came out, and it was even worse than it sounded in the studio. Oh, my God. This is legit one of the reasons why I don't work with my managers anymore, because I said I was uncomfortable doing something, and they didn't care. I have nothing but respect for the guy, so I don't know why he didn't hold the song or tell me exactly what he wanted when I kept taking the headphones off, begging for direction from the God. So just like that to me, already I was like laughing. Because think about the image of being like, no, please, I really don't want to do it. And Quincy Jones is like, go, make one of my number one hit singles. Do it. (laughs) You'll be great. And he's like, no, I don't think I can do it. It's like a nightmare. He's like, I don't think I can do it. Please, please, please don't make me. And then then he's forced to, and then he's like, all right. And then this is what, this is what comes out. Maria, drop that clip. Because here's the best thing about the song is that he changed the lyrics to be T-Pain specific. Which, why? And it's like, I mean, obviously every T-Pain song is auto-tuned, but this is so over-the-top auto-tuned that you can't even really make out what the lyrics are. It's just so, like, because you know the song PYT, so you're expecting PYT. And then when this comes on, it's just that disconnect of, like, it wasn't what I expected that it, like, really, really makes me laugh. It's really not what you expected, It's really though. not what you expected. So it's like, it just really gave me a chuckle I needed when I was just, like, so stressed out. I'm like, you know what I need to do? I'm going to listen to this horrific cover and just focus on someone else who uh, screwed up. Who fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Guys, I gotta tell you that April tried to play this several times for my boyfriend, for Victor, and he, like, ran out of the room. He, he still has not listened to one second of this. Listen, he loves Michael Jackson. And I do, he just, too. like, won't, he won't dishonor him in that way. <laughs> but, it, but it really does make me, like, because I love Michael Jackson, it makes it funnier. Because you know PYT, and he's like, instead of, you know, the lyrics of PYT, he says, Where did you come from, Shaudi? <laughs> It's imagine, too much. Imagine him in the booth just taking off his headphones like, please, please, I don't want to do this. And they're like, do it. He's like, fine. Shouty. Why would they keep, Why would they play it, though? Like, why, why did they he... keep it on the album? I don't know. Um, what are you obsessed Anyways, with? Okay, so I don't have anything super fun or in-depth. I just have a couple things that are on the top of my mind. Number one, Victor put together an Ikea dresser for Can't our room. She kissed it and held it in her arms. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'll be able to put... Uh, stuff away much more easily. I won't have to keep trying to shove everything in my freaking overflowing closet because I have too many clothes and I'm not good at organizing, which is why I follow about 80 organizational blocks. All right. I'm also obsessed with my new skincare by Glossier Solution. Um, but yeah, I feel like my skin, I've only used it a few times and I feel like my skin's already like softer and whatever. We're, we'll put a link for our friend Joanna's 20% off. Um, she's a Glossier rep, so she gets 20% off for all you guys on Glossier products. Glossier sponsor us. Sponsor please. us. Get that gloss. Um, and finally, just Tessa and Scott, the Canadian <sighs> ice dancing phenomenon. I love them. Like, if you have room in your heart to give, it's time to get into this. <laughs> They're the ice dancers from Canada that were in the Olympics. If you listen to this podcast, you're probably online enough to know about them. But if you're not, just, like, Google them and just, like... Be ready to lose eight hours to just love. <laughs> Go on the Tumblr tag if you, you know, got time. It's because beautiful. They're just basically two ice dancers who have this incredible heat. Yeah. This like ice princess esque. Like oh my god, <laughs> they've been together since as a couple, as a professional couple. 
supposedly since they were seven and, and there's nine. photos and there was so pics and they, the cutting edge that's what i'm thinking of it's like they the cutting won gold edge. they won gold and they deserved it and it was incredible please go on a journey with me here's some people who gave us a review on apple Podcasts. we really appreciate it you guys it really helps to get us front and center one day we'll be on new and noteworthy along with other really new shows like uh two dope queens <laughs> do that are still on there <laughs> But I love them, but they're like developing it's a TV show. Four. It's season four. <laughs> they're like not it's new. Four, but whatever. Um, okay, so we're anyways, not bitter. <laughs> I'm not bitter about it. I'm just like it's not new. I'm feeling bitter about it. <laughs> really? <laughs> but whatever. Um, we'll process this offline. <laughs> so uh, thank you guys so much for writing review. Please, you guys keep going on and, and writing those. We read them and appreciate them. So here's some people we'd like to shout out today. Working Class Elsie, um, Becky FF, Rainbows Live, The Society 4, Branch, and Low Serotonin. Okay, and now we have some Patreon shoutouts. Thank you to all of our patrons for supporting us. And once again, another plug for our Facebook group. It's going down in the Facebook group. Honestly, it's lit. It's like it's lit. All the homies are there. Come chill with the homies. Um, shout out to Maggie Viscara, Laurel Hitchin. Rosie Young, Masha Volshkaya, mm-hmm. Nessa, and Mara Jarvis. Yay! Shouts to our patrons. They are real. If you're a real one, uh, patreon.com slash she's all fat. We love you guys. And now it's time for our news section. Boom, boom, boom. So Amina from Call Your Girlfriend, which is our favorite podcast, has recently been diagnosed with endometrial cancer. Um, and it's freaking sucks. Which is bullshit and cancer. Like, what the cancer fuck? Cancer needs to at me. Cancer lets box. Um, oh, my God. Can't so, meet, cancer, meet April outside. <laughs> literally, cash me outside. This is bullshit. Um, but Anne Friedman, the co-host of Call Your Girlfriend, is... Our icon, our, our mentor. Our icon, like, our one true love. Literally, like, could we ever? We couldn't. Um, so, shouts to Anne. She's organizing um, a nationwide blood drive for Amina, and it's called bleeding for amina um to raise she's had a lot of blood transfusions and so she's trying to get that good blood if you have that good blood which is like oh if you have o types which are the what type of donor universal Universal. if you have an o type which is a universal donor um (laughs) strong start for our doctor episode (laughs) we know blood if you've got the red juice if you've got that good juice in your uh veins No, if you have if you have blood that you're able to donate and you meet the criteria, which they've already acknowledged is super discriminatory. Yeah. That's a side note. Um, but if you meet the criteria and you have that good blood, I would encourage you to give the blood. And yeah. if you live in LA, I will be at the LA um drive giving my O positive. Oh yeah. So I gotta pull sign up. up for a spot. You gotta tell me when yours is so I can sign up at the same time. We will show up, we will see y'all there, we will give blood and um all shouts and support and good vibes to Amina, who has been like on her Instagram story game, like she's been live Instagramming her like treatments and also just like free time while in recovery. And it's been incredible. Yeah. She's amazing. She's an icon. Okay, guys, we are super excited to announce. We tweeted this already, but if you're not a close Twitter follower, you might not have noticed that we are going to be a featured guest and presenter at Flyover Fest, which is a three-day festival in Iowa City, um, I'm very excited. We're going to be doing a live podcast taping, and then we're also going to be doing a, a session where we help people figure out how to do their own podcast, and it's focused towards women or femmes or non-binary people. 
It's going to be lit. I'm so excited. If you're in anywhere near the Midwest, come see us. I'm bringing Soph home. We're going to have dairy. Prep your gut. Oh, my God. We're going to have hella cheese curds. Cheese. Get ready. I'm so excited. I hope we see you there. Okay. Now... A few little feedback notes. Well, first of all, I want to let you guys know that I am behind on the Patreon post. If you're a Patreon member, you'll be getting those very soon. So don't you worry. Number two, um, we got a couple people writing in or messaging us to say that they wanted to defend This Is Us and that they love This Is Us. That's totally fine. You know, some people love it. That's fine. We don't love it, but you can love it. I don't care. That's really fine. (laughs) I'm glad that you like it. Uh, Maria is going to drop in here a little bit of a clip from a a listener who doesn't like it, too, who sent us an audio note. So they get to have their words played. Learn your lesson. Send us an audio note. Give me that voice. (laughs) Hi, Sophie and April. This is Hannah. I just wanted to leave you a quick um, voice memo to tell you all, first of all, that I really appreciated your critique of the character Kate from This Is Us that was on this week's podcast. I thought I was the only one who felt that way about her character. Um, I'm actually the same age as the character. I live in the same geographic area. I have a lot of similarities between her, between my real life and her storyline, although my take on life and my attitude seems to be very different than hers. I find her to be kind of rude and self-centered. Um, so I'm glad that somebody else saw this about her. (laughs) It's not just me. I like the show. I just don't care for her storyline and the storyline with her boyfriend. I also think is problematic. So I was glad to hear it. Thanks so much. And thanks for a great podcast. Bye. Um, and then also in the show notes, I'm going to link to, um, this person who's really cool to follow on Twitter named Kiva Bay. They do all kinds of academic critiques basically of like fat related things. And they did one on, um, the new Heather's reboot, which a bunch of people have also tweeted us to talk about in, in response to our like recent media critique stuff. The Heather's reboot, if you guys don't know, it's a reboot of like that movie from the 90s with Winona Ryder and Christian Slater. And the reboot is basically the tagline is like, what if normal was weird? And like the three main mean girls, it's like a trans woman, a black woman and a fat woman, I believe. Yeah. I haven't really looked too closely into it, but basically it's like... Like they are bullies by threatening to make say people are racist or something. Ooh, ooh. Like apparently part Yikes. of the Yikes. yeah apparently part of the pilot is like the main mean girl like takes a picture of someone with like a racial slur on their shirt and then the bad thing is that she's threatening to expose that not that he, they have a, like a slur on their shirt or whatever. Sounds very cool. So <laughs> if you guys are like more into more media criticism, check out Kiva Bay's tweet storm in the links. Um, okay, moving on. Talking about ashiness. Here's a tweet we got. Can't believe this. I can confirm that as a white person, I do get ashy elbows and heels, sometimes knees, and it definitely shows up against my skin. Not gray per se, but maybe like a dull, dark beige-ish. So I guess black people get ashy and white people get khaki. <laughs> I can't believe that's not a t-shirt. Calling the police. <laughs> this tweet. It was an attack on April. And all for the for the white listeners at home sending me photos of their white people ash. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Spare me. April got a bunch of these. You um, gotta just put some lotion on and keep it pushing. I can't. Okay, number two. We were reminded by someone who tweeted at us that um, Jonathan, the hair one mm, on grooming, Queer yes. Eye, he talked about edges in the episode with AJ. He explained right. edges to AJ, a the black best person. Episode. That's right, when you took him to the black barber yeah. and he was like, hey, this is, get a lineup, sir. But I still didn't really get it. He was just like, it's the edge of your hair. So, yeah, it's the edge of your hair. Great. So I, 
All right. I think, for the record, I think Sophie does have edges because she has, like, wavy hair. Okay. All right. Um, I'm not sure. (laughs) Still unclear. Um, And then also we've gotten a bunch of questions about why we have people's names bleeped out and we just say Hannah for questions. It's just because we had one listener question named Hannah when we were first collecting these and then we started calling them all Hannah. For for your anonymity and for my giggles. Yeah, it's just funny. It's funny because it's got like the... What's it called? It's the same forwards as backwards. Oh, yeah. What's that word? I don't remember, but you know, the word for that. that. Word. Maria, just <laughs> Maria. record a clip of yourself saying it. Literally, I want to hear put that. it in here. <laughs> Please do Correct that. us, Maria. It's a palindrome. Um, it's the same backwards as it is forward, and it's got some good vowels in it. You know? You're our Hannah, and we love you. And we love you. Okay. And finally, tip jar, we got a little email saying this in preparation for the doctor episode i wanted to bring your attention to the podcast do no harm it's a podcast focused on the medical side of the health at every size and body positive movement i think it may be a great resource so check it out that's so cool we will listen to it this week and uh another person who wants us to watch loosely exactly nicole so i think we probably will have to do that soon oh it'll be a fatty film school for For sure. sure stay tuned for sure all right well we should really get to the meat of it don't you think let's do it the meat of it this week on the meat of it we're doing our first doctor's episode. Yeah. We're just here to get some tips on how to navigate and also to be a witness to some of the BS you've been through because yeah. we've been through something similar. We've been through a lot of stuff at the doctor. Listen, um, anyone who thinks that fat people don't care about being healthy uh, is ignorant because fat people probably more than like a lot of straight sized people have thought about and cared about and worked on and struggled on dealing with their health because the world is not set up to make you believe you can be healthy. Nope. Guess what? You can be. Guess what? You can also not be. But final guess what? Health <laughs> is not a moral good. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. I mean, it matters, but it doesn't matter in the sense of like, it's not what what means you deserve respect or access to things or like whatever. Whenever people are like, but you know, your health, I'm like, fuck you. Why do you think we have like the disabilities rights movements? Why do you think we have like all these things? Do you think only healthy bodies are good? Guess what? You're a eugenicist. Yeah, exactly. You're a Nazi. You think that only healthy bodies are good and you should only be healthy? You're a literal Nazi. So fuck off. Congrats. You're a Nazi. (laughs) Yeah. Like, please. Don't try it. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> clearly we have a lot of feelings about doctors and health because we face it every single freaking day. There's yeah. a lot of barriers to access for fat people for health. And so that's why this is like only first of many health episodes. Um, but we're going to start by both of us talking a little bit about our personal health histories, if we want, or relationships with like the medical sphere. All right, I'll start since it says my name first. Yep. Okay, so my mom is a nurse. Shout to mommy. Um, Hi, she, April's mom. I April's love her. mom. She was nice to me this week. Don't worry. <laughs> Hear that, mom? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no, my mom. My mom is a nurse. She's an LPN, and so I actually grew up like when I was little. My mom worked at the hospital, and we couldn't afford like a babysitter, so I grew up just like wandering around the hospital for a long <laughs> really? time. Really? Yeah. Like, well, is that why you of, have such a good immune system? <laughs> maybe I have a lot of distinct memories of just being like la la la. 
that's blood. La, la, la. <laughs> just like in the hospital. So I grew up in, the, I'm not, I don't get scared of the hospital environment because I grew up in it, but I, I just get nervous like one-on-one with a doctor. Um, but because I grew up with a nurse as a mom, I always have a lot of good tips about how to like exaggerate your pain so that people pay attention to you like as a woman and also as a fat person and also as a black person so there's lots of times where i'll be like oh my back kind of hurts my mom's like we're going to the er and when we get in there you better start screaming so that they check you and i'm like okay because my mom is like a plus size black woman too and she knows because she's seen it in action that doctors are like it's almost their second nature to just like ignore like any marginalized person's pain and try to either cast it off as like, oh, well, it's your it's your body's fault or kind of like not pay attention to the actual symptoms in favor of just finding like an easy solution. But yeah, I grew up, you know, pretty healthy. I have asthma. So I've had a lot of like asthma attacks and stuff that I've been hospitalized before. Nothing too, nothing too wild. I can't remember if I've talked about this already, but my most ridiculous experience um, at the doctor was when I went to Qatar for like a school trip in college, which is in the Middle East for anyone who didn't know. Cool country, great food. But as soon as I landed, I had like strep throat and an ear infection, obviously. I like always get sick whenever I do anything. (laughs) Whenever I leave anywhere, I get sick. So as soon as I landed, I was ill and went to like the campus doctor office or whatever. I was like, I think I need some eardrops and probably some like, you know, Antibiotics. Antibiotics, probably. And he was like, you should lose weight. <laughs> I was like, I'm here. Like, I had an ear infection is what the diagnosis ended up being. I was like, I have an ear infection. And he's like, wouldn't have an ear infection if you weren't so fat. <laughs> I was just Jeez. like, this is a very clear example of like, number one, you're not my primary. You're just like some dude. And you're speaking about my health, like, very comfortably. Yeah. Number two, like, didn't ask. I just, my ear is uh, swollen shut. <laughs> if you could just... So that is my most ridiculous. <laughs> like, no. But I, I mean, I've had so many of doctors just being like, I walk in to get a physical and they're like, mm, we're going to check that cholesterol, right? Oh my God. <laughs> that that tone of like, mm, that like, sugar. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, like, we'll see about that. Yeah, it's totally. Like, it's, a, it's always been uh, completely fine. <laughs> I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that's my overview. What about you? Yeah. So I think I've mentioned on an episode before that like recently... My mom and I found some of my old medical records, and there's one from when I'm literally five. I go to the doctor and get a blood test that shows, like, high white blood cells, like, uh, there's something going on with my immune system or my, like, inflammation. And the only note is, <laughs> too big, less dessert. Less <laughs> dessert as a diagnosis. All right. Cut to 20 years later, and, like, I have all these immune problems and... Uh, stomach problems and all sorts of stuff, but like nobody ever paid attention to them until I researched a bunch of things and then went in and was like, what is this? Do I have it? And forced people to like do like blood tests and stool tests and stuff. Because until then I was just told I was eating too much cake, even though I was like, I honestly could be eating a lot more cake. (laughs) It's usually how I feel. (laughs) ridiculous wow Um, (laughs) i know a lot of doctors who are great and i have friends who are in medical school and all that and i really like my current doctors but historically i've had terrible experiences with doctors not listening to me not diagnosing me and not listening to my own testimony about my body which was bad so just as a list because i'm very open about talking about all these things and Um, would love to talk more about these in the future if people have more questions or want to talk about any of these like 
illnesses or conditions or whatever you want to call them. I know a lot of people have very like strong feelings about like, oh, it's not an illness. Oh, it's not a disability. Oh, it's not this or whatever. I don't have personally super strong feelings and I have them. So I feel like I can call them whatever I want. Just let me know if there's um, other ways you'd prefer that we talk about chronic illnesses if you're also a chronic illness person. So my mental health history has some, a lot of anxiety. I know April's got some of that good anxiety Shout too. Shout to GAD, what's um, good? <laughs> got some clinical depression in my background. And uh, in the last year, I it's really honestly wild that nobody found this before because I'm so textbook, but I have ADD. I have dreamy type ADD. I also have a lot of gut issues. I've been working with a new nutritionist. We can talk about that as much as you guys want. Um, I have SIBO, which is like upper gut bacteria issues. I have IBS, which is when they're like, yeah, your gut's fucked up and we don't really know why. I have a bunch of sensitivities. I have little other things like plantar fasciitis. What's up, you guys? I think a lot of fat people have plantar fasciitis and you just think that it's like because you're fat, your feet must hurt. Look up plantar fasciitis. There's stretches and shit you can do that really help. So the way that this is going to be set up, we're going to cover a few questions from listeners who are patients and see what they want us to talk about. And then we're going to cover some questions from doctors as a group. So first question is this question from Hannah. Hey, Sophie and April. This is a question for the doctor episode. I would just love if you all could address PCOS. I have it, and I know a lot of other people do and have to navigate the crazy medical system and uh, contradicting messages we get about it. For instance, I've heard it makes it really hard to lose weight, and also you have to lose weight when you have it. And all of that sounds like bullshit to me. So, um, yeah, let's talk PCOS. Thanks. Hannah. Okay. So yeah, I didn't say this because I knew this was coming up. I also have PCOS. I only got diagnosed with that after I asked if I might have PCOS, which is wild because it should be like one of the first things that like a gyno would test for in like a fat woman with a uterus. What do they test you for to find out? They do an ultrasound of your ovaries to see if you have cysts. Some people have a bunch of cysts on their ovaries. I don't really have any or very many. So either that or if you have high androgens in your blood, like you have high testosterone, quote unquote, male hormones, Mm -hmm. because like PCOS means that your hormone creation is like offset a little bit. Um, A lot of women who have this, who are cis women, they can have like, quote, excess hair growth or like acne or whatever. That's like a sign of having high androgens. The third symptom is if, or like diagnostic criteria is if you have irregular periods. So I have those second two, like very intensely. So PCOS stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome. Before I found my good doctor now, who anyone in LA, my guy knows name is... Dr. Too Good. Literally, (laughs) her name's Dr. Too Good. She's great. Too Good. And before I went to her, doctors told me that my, I didn't have regular periods because I was fat because, (laughs) question mark. Okay. I guess you're, um, you know, being fat can like be interrelated with hormones in a lot of ways. And there is like evidence that, you know, weight loss or weight gain can disrupt 
regularity or whatever. But mine was not because I was fat. It's because I have PCOS. It's really hard to give any kind of guidance about PCOS because everyone I know with PCOS has had such different journeys with it, like such different experiences. Some people had to be on a certain pill. Some people could only be on an IUD. Some people couldn't handle any birth control at all, even though birth control is like one of the main ways that they help treat it. Like it's just also individual. Really the main thing I can say is like, please don't stop trying until you find a gyno who you really click with because that's what's so important. So Hannah, thanks for talking about PCOS. If you guys have other like tips or tricks or things you want to, resources you want to put out for PCOS... Let us know. Question two. This is Hannah M. And I had a quick question. I have type one diabetes and I'm having a really hard time getting into intuitive eating. So much of my life is filled with thinking about food, counting carbs and dosing insulin. I find it really hard to truly overcome this hurdle in body positivity because I want to keep my leg and not go blind. Anyway, what advice do you have for someone who is trying to tease apart diet culture from actual health? Hannah M. This is a great question. I had similar trouble. I don't have um, diabetes, but I had like a hard time figuring out my food sensitivities because it takes so much like tracking and paying attention to exactly what you're eating and paying attention to what food you're putting in your mouth, which when you're trying to be body positive, if you've had any kind of like disordered eating, or even if you haven't, and you're just trying to like listen more to what your body wants, as opposed to being more intellectual about it, it's a really hard balance to strike. So once again, my answer, my first answer is like, Find a professional that you trust yes. to help you. Who will actually listen to you. Because there's some people who will just be like, well, you have to do it anyway. But yeah. it's like, no, I'm trying not to trigger myself, but also trying to take care of myself. Exactly. So let's navigate that together. Yeah. So I found a really cool nutritionist in LA who helped me. Her name's Jenny Miramati. Um, we can put a link to her stuff. But there's a lot of other nutritionists. There's especially women who are fat who are nutritionists. And you can like have online Skype sessions with them from anywhere. Here's a couple that I knew off the top of my head. The fat nutritionist, who is someone who literally just wrote a piece about eating and tracking and all that kind of things in the Atlantic. No big deal. Um, Summer Ananin, who has a really cool Facebook group that I'm in. No BS about Bopo or something like oh, that. Okay. Like, I think I'm in just, that one. Yeah. It's cool. There's also Meredith of Made on a Generous Plan. There's resources like the Food Psych Podcast which April and I are both going to be featured on in the future, by the way. That's the food site. And then we're going to put a link in the show notes to an article that I wrote for Yahoo Wellness in January where I talked about ways to advocate for yourself at the doctor's a fat person. I talked to a lot of nutritionists um, who are all like health at every size people. So if you just like go there or look on our website for more resources or look through those people or see who they're connected with, I'm sure you'll be able to find someone to help you because this is a super legit issue. And, um, I'm sure that there are people who also focus on like coaching for this kind of thing or therapists who would be willing to help with diabetes stuff specifically. And also we will be doing an episode in the future when we figure out how to do it on intuitive eating Yeah, because we both don't know how to do it, but yeah. we're trying to but learn. trying to learn. We see you and we're along the journey with you. We recognize that like, it seems ridiculous to be like, I don't know what to eat. But what my body <laughs> wants we to don't eat, know. but we also don't know. Yeah, intuitive eating is super hard, especially when you do have like medical restrictions. Absolutely. So yeah, Hannah, yeah. great question. Okay, this is a quick one. Q three. Um, quote, I've always wondered if there's a database with information about doctors who are body positive and consider actual health before judging patients' bodies. 
Yes, there is. The Health at Every Size community um, on the internet has a searchable database, and we're going to link that in the show notes, and they have a bunch of doctors on there. And also on our website, there's more links to other resources of that kind where you can find doctors. There's not like a really big like app or anything like that. There's the um, Yelp for fat people, basically, that we mentioned a couple episodes ago. Algo. Algo. Shouts to Algo. Shouts to Algo. That'll maybe do something like that, hopefully. Um, but in the meantime, check out the Health at Every Size community website um, and see if there's someone in your area that someone could recommend. Yep. Questions four and five. I'm crying right now because I'm listening to episode seven where Sophie bravely tells us she has HS. I've been struggling for two years trying to seek help for my sis. My family family doctor keeps telling me to lose weight because quote obese people's legs rub together and pimples happen i finally went to a walk-in last night and i got referred to a dermatologist thankfully this doctor heard me my partner's sister and who i call my best friend told me it's not hs because my chub rubs ever since that conversation i've closed up and only my partner and my parents know my true pain no pressure but sophie would you feel comfortable talking about hs in an episode tips tricks and communities i'm new to this world and i'm freaking out hs is on my mind every day and i just need some positivity thank you hannah last week's episode had me shocked i'm an la transplant and i've been avoiding the doctor out here because of oft mentioned fat girl reasons i also have pcos and my jaw dropped when you mentioned hs i've had that self-diagnosed since i was 13 and it's been a horrible painful burden it means so much to me to hear this mentioned especially related to body positivity i've come a long way with embracing and loving my body but the hs is so rough if you have a good obgyn and feel comfortable sharing the information i would be very grateful especially excited for the health episode but every week is magic thanks hannah thank you Okay, so specifically these Hannahs are writing in about how I mentioned in an episode that one of my other really cool health issues it's is, is HS. It's bursting. I have so many, you guys. I have so many. Um, it's HS. It's called hydrogeninus or hydrogeninus superativa. Basically, it's a autoimmune slash... Uh, inflammatory slash insulin related slash hormone related illness where you get cysts or boils on parts of your skin, like underneath parts of your skin that have sweat glands and they don't really know why this happens. And they, are they looking into it at all? No, they are not. Cool. (laughs) Um, there's like two studies on it and the main medical prescription for it that I could do is get an immune system blocker, which is like what they also prescribe for like lupus or like like rheumatoid arthritis or whatever. Um, and I don't really want to get that because then I would, you know, have a lot of other health problems and it's not specifically for what I have. It would just be like, well, this is what we got. The other thing that I've heard suggested is you can um, have large tracts of your skin cut out. So they cut out the sweat glands and then you just let your skin regrow. It's like really cool. Um, but what if you need to sweat? It's like too bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's very painful. It's something that for, you know, even though they don't know why, they do know that it's largely associated with fat women. The, a large portion of the population that has it is actually fat black women. Um, but that is not a cause of any kind because, well, obviously I'm white, but also like uh, non-genetically, like a lot of thin people have it and thin men have it. I also was told for many years that it's just because I have it on my inner thighs and it's just because my legs rub together. And I was like, I don't, this isn't 
seem like chafing to me, but I guess I'm not a doctor, so I don't know. And then I was Googling it one day because I was like, this is very bizarre to me that I get these like large, painful cysts under my skin. And then I Googled it and I was like, oh, this isn't my fault at all. (laughs) And yeah, so I, uh, since then have found some online like Facebook groups. Some of those are fairly useful. Um, mostly like it's useful to have other people who have the same thing going on. So people can be like, I'm having a rough day with it. And you can be like, yeah, me too. You do have to watch out in them. A lot of people try, are so desperate for, uh, a kind of solution that they'll post in their just like bizarre, alternative medicine stuff, oh, you know, no. they'll be like, oh, I ordered this rub from this, like, oh, online, no. you know, that kind of thing. When, since I've been eating in a way that reduces like the inflammation triggers, I know that like hurt my stomach, a lot of the flares have gone down for me. So it's not like one-to-one for sure. Cause I still get them even when I'm eating no infl- inflammatory triggers. It's like hard to tell. It's also um, highly correlated with having PCOS. So they know that some way it's hormonal or insulin related as well. So also being on birth control has helped with mine as well. Um, but I know that hormonal birth control isn't an option for a lot of you out there. And it's, you know, not an option for cis men, um, either. So yeah, uh, solidarity to you guys. I know that with HS, you can get time off for disability. I know that you can get like different accommodations for it if you're in a workplace. And also my biggest tip is literally just like, try if you can, again, like if you're fat and you've had disordered eating, this might be hard, but try to look into some, like, if you may or may not have inflammatory triggers in your eating that you don't know about because it helped me, but you know, it could be different for you. There could be nothing like that for you too, but talk to your doctor about it. If you have it, there's like some doctors, like my primary care doctor did not know what it was. Literally had to Google it in front of me. Wait, when they Googled it, were they like, oh yeah, that sounds about right? Or were yeah. They, wow. they like, they were like, oh yeah, <laughs> so this do you, thing. Do <laughs> Literally. Wow. That's so frustrating. Yeah. They're like, oh, that thing. But yeah, if you guys have it, like I'm here with you, it really sucks and it hurts a lot and it's like, uh, it feels shameful even though it shouldn't. People, yeah, on the whole have been very supportive. Make sure that you're getting like the mental health support that you need if you have a chronic illness like this with like recurrent pain and like kind of unpredictable flare-ups. When you're having an HS flare-up, what makes you feel supported? Just that like sometimes I have to miss out on social events. Like sometimes just like what helps me now that like most of my close friends know about it is just if people like are like, oh, chill, no big deal. And then find a way to do the plans that we had without me. Like, I don't want to stop anybody's plans. Mm-hmm. But then if they're like, hey, can we pick you up so you can come to lunch? Like find a way to like loop me in yeah. somehow. Or just like offer to like hang out in a way that doesn't. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Stress it out at all, which is usually literally just like sitting there. Yeah. Damn. Good tips. Yeah. Sorry for everyone who has HS. It just sounds like uncomfortable. It is very uncomfortable. And also I know a lot of people who have like, this is a whole other topic, but you know, a lot of stress or fear about it in romantic situations. Like, you know, as we talked about last episode, I have like a long-term, very supportive boyfriend, Victor, shout out to Victor, sound editor of episodes like what, three through 10 or whatever. When you're with like a long-term supportive partner, they don't really care. Like they love you and they love your body. So it's never been a deal for me in that way. It's been a deal for me in like accepting my body and myself mm-hmm. because I don't like it. Yeah. It's a part of my body I don't like. Because it's but I think that part of like this discussion is so important because people act like body positivity is like, I love all my rolls. Um this rash <laughs> I got, God. it's lit. My lungs closing <laughs> shut, delicious. It's like no. <laughs> like the end of the day it's like we're trying to figure out how to function and we we have to be able to acknowledge like hey our body's malfunctioning and that's not chill but i'm not going to tear myself apart because of it you know so true it's so it's so hard it's like let's we don't have to be ideal every day some days i'm like i would like to not okay so now we're moving on to the doctor question part of this meat of it we're about to get mad so we got a couple questions from doctors um over time and also for this episode. And once again, we do not hate doctors. <laughs> I love many of my doctors. <laughs> they're necessary. I believe they're well-educated. But here's the thing. Medical fat phobia is fucking bullshit. Yep. And it exists. And it's ingrained. It's prevalent. Yep. It's rampant. And it is hurting our bodies. It's hurting us. It is preventing all those things I've talked about earlier. Every single one of my traits and physical like illnesses and conditions were exacerbated by being untreated over a large amount of time because every single one of them was because I was told I was fat. My HS, you're fat. Your legs rub together. My stomach hurts. You're fat. You eat too much cake. My periods are irregular. You're fat. It's because you're fat. Like <laughs> you have trouble concentrating. You're eating too much food. Literally, that was like an answer sense. I got. Does it make sense? You're sad oh is, is it because you're sad about your weight have you tried Jesus exercising Christ. like literally every single health condition i have has been blamed on my weight in a way that exacerbated it and prevented me from getting treatment and it's completely acceptable it's completely encouraged within the medical field. yes it's so like you know what we're we're gonna gently mm-hmm. rope y'all in <laughs> like we got a lot of really well-intentioned letters and like i want to address them. So, and some of these are from people, I'm not like yelling at all the people who wrote in. Some of them are from people who are like, please help. I don't know how to stop this in, in the medical field, yeah. but like, I just want to present some evidence. Okay. All right. Let's do it. Okay. First letter. 
Hi, April and Sophie. I'm a family physician in Minneapolis who also happens to be little fat or size 14. Little fat is so cute. Shouts to the little fat. (laughs) Little fat. (laughs) I pride myself in working hard to be body positive with my patients and don't routinely recommend weight loss for patients who have no health problem. My question is about health conditions that studies show can be treated with moderate weight loss, specifically PCOS, knee arthritis, and prediabetes, when approximately 10% of weight loss is recommended. I love your podcast and really appreciate when you talk about how weight loss can be impossible for some people. My question is, have you or people you know been diagnosed with any of these conditions and what did your doctor recommend or what would you have preferred your doctor have to have recommended? Okay, question number two. Hi, April and Sophie. It's Dr. Hannah. I'm responding to your call regarding doctors and health. So I'm a pediatrician and I work almost exclusively with teens with mental health issues, including eating disorders. Um, And I'm also fat. I'm a size 22 to 24. I have several so-called obesity-related health issues. And um, I'm constantly struggling to honor my body and my profession, which, of course, is rife with weight bias and fat shaming. Um, Diet culture and placing the blame for health problems on weight are foundational in our training. Um, And as a pediatrician, uh, we're trained to focus on weight at every child checkup because of the uh, quote unquote epidemic of child obesity. So professionally, um, we're starting to see more education about weight, weight bias and bullying, um, and the importance of quality of life when we're counseling about weight and wellness. But I can't tell you how many times I've been to one of these talks and the first audience question is along the lines of, well, I feel bad that fat people are bullied, but it's my job to tell them their weight is affecting their health. So it's really frustrating that we're not there yet. Um, But in my own practice, I very consciously practice a body positive health at every size approach with a large focus on mental health. So there's a lot of rambling, but I have two questions. First, how do you think a physician's own body size affects how you relate to them as a patient? And second, can you recommend any strategies for me to work within my professional circle to make health care for children and teens more body positive? Thanks. Okay, question three. My primary question is regarding health and fatness. I finished an MD, trained for a year as a GP before starting my PhD. I'm very interested in the intersection of health and fat bodies and social constructs of body image, body positivity, diet, etc. I am by no means an expert, but I'm moderately acquainted with some of the literature you've referenced regarding being healthy at many different weights. I agree the BMI system is not helpful and weight itself as a marker of health is misleading and simplistic. It sounds like you've had some pretty shitty experiences with physicians and I have seen some pretty shitty physicians treat people pretty shittily. Anyways, while healthfulness at different weights is possible, in my mind, there are limits to this ideal. There are extreme weights that are near impossible to be healthy at. Additionally, there are weights that are maybe possible to be healthy at, but incredibly difficult. I've had many patients that fall into these categories and have sometimes had trouble with patient education and advice. Do not want to contribute to the societal prejudice that only one type of body is healthy, but I also want to help my patients be healthier. And sometimes I think that means losing weight. Every patient is difficult. I have sometimes advocated for weight loss and sometimes not. That was really only half a question and half a rant, but I'm curious on your thoughts on the matter. Do you have any recommendations on resources to fill any holes in my understanding on this matter? Do I have a big blind spot in the way that I am presenting the situation? Okay, and then we have one voice memo. Yeah, you got to send in the voice memos. Hey, April and Sophie. My name is Hannah Banana. My question is a health-related question. I 
work in gynecology and I'm about to start medical school. And a lot of the providers that I work with say things that are extremely fat phobic. And this week, um, it was really taken to the extreme when I overheard a provider that I work for tell her student about FLPP, fat lady pelvic pain. And she said that these people come in and think that their issues are because they're GYN related, but it's really because they're fat. And I just was so deeply offended by what she said. I thought it was pretty disgusting. And um, I do ask questions and try to push back on people saying, what do you mean by that, etc. But I really would love some tips um, beyond addressing patients in a body positive way. I'm really looking for ways to talk to other healthcare providers about body positivity so that comments like this don't keep happening because I think they're really damaging. Thanks so much for everything you guys do. I'm obsessed. Great. All right, Dr. Hannes, let's talk. <laughs> Hannes, let's chat. Okay, April, if you had to. <laughs> Please, don't. <laughs> what would you say is like a common thread through all these questions? Um, I know you don't want to hear that you're fat, but you're fat. How can I say it in a different way? <laughs> Literally? <laughs> Eat my shit. I'm so mad. <laughs> Sophie wants you to eat her shorts. <laughs> Just like... <laughs> Here's the thing about science. A lot of people who are in scientific fields have trouble with the idea that scientific studies can have bias in them. Because okay? they're done by... Who are they conducted by? People. And what do people have? Biases. Thank you so much. Okay. Like, if you're looking at facts, facts are facts. Great. Facts are facts. I know we're living in an alternate timeline where time, like facts don't seem to be facts, but like we're still in the alternative facts, whatever the We're fuck. still in the first one where facts are facts. Listen, if you do studies, you gotta look at who's doing the study and why and what parts of the study they're looking at, what things they're controlling for, who they might be funded by, what their uh, initial viewpoints might be. Like any fucking person can find a study that says this or a study that says that. Guess what? Science progresses all the time. There's a lot of things that we know now that we did not know 5, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, and at pregnant the time, ladies smoking. Yeah, literally. <laughs> at the time, people would have been like, well, studies show. Guess what? Studies are done by people. In the past, uh, most people allowed to do studies were scientists were white men. Okay? Like, that's still mostly the case. And they go in with a hypothesis, and guess what? They want to get their paper published, and if they can have something, something radical attached to their paper, like, hey, did you know that fat people are all going to die? Do you yeah. know that there's no old fat people? Literally. And then guess what? Their paper will get published. So, like, that's why, for example, there's not a lot of studies on HS. You know why? There's no money in it right now. A lot of times when people do studies and they like include fatness as one of the control things, they do not look into things like income, race, uh, family size, if you're a provider for your family. Uh, it turns out when you control for a lot of lifestyle choices, it actually turns out that the things that affect your health outcomes are a lot more related to the actual things you eat and if you exercise, and if you have space to have good mental health practices, it has nothing to do with your actual weight. Like, fat doesn't cause diseases. No. Like... Fat <laughs> may be a symptom. 
It could be a symptom. It could be just the way you're built. It could be, you could be choosing to be fat. I don't give a fuck. It doesn't mean that you're not uh, entitled to medical care. And by the way, like it makes a lot of sense if someone's like, hey, I eat Cheetos all day and I don't feel great. That's <laughs> not the same as all fat people don't feel great. No. Number one, not all fat people eat Cheetos all day. A lot of skinny people eat Cheetos all day. If you eat healthy food, meaning like you eat like whatever, you know, uh, intuitive eating and like you get all the vitamins and shit you need, you have a much better health outcome regardless of weight. And that is for a reason. Like, I don't know how else to say it. Like, I'm so tired of people who have medical degrees who are supposedly smart enough to get through medical school being like, but the study says. <laughs> I'm like, what's the study? And also just like walk out what you're prescribing. Like in Lindy West's book, she says, okay, they tell fat people to eat apples every day to lose weight. But a lot of fat people are like, apples make my stomach hurt. But yeah. they're like, you have to eat the apple anyway. Literally. Or like what this this Hannah said earlier was like, oh, I recommend people with knee arthritis to lose 10% of their weight. So my mom just had a knee replacement for knee arthritis. Guess what you can't do when you have horrible arthritis is exercise. <laughs> okay, here's my... Okay, I ha, now I have, like, a list. <laughs> there's, there's so many Look, where I'm just I like, have, just walk it out. Like, finish the thought because okay. it doesn't make sense. Now I have, I have letters I through X to go through point by point for this. Number right. one, as we've said many times, diets don't work. Diets don't work. Diets don't work. It's diets, a myth. Diets don't yeah. work. What do I mean when I say diets don't work? What I mean is that multiple studies... <laughs> show that most people who diet and lose weight regain the weight and more within five years. Say it again for the people in the back. (laughs) Within five years, (laughs) almost everyone, meaning up to a negligible percent, will regain the weight that they have lost while dieting and more. Diets don't work. Google everyone from the biggest loser. Literally every single fucking person. They're all fat Do you know again. why um, all those people who are celebrity spokespeople for like Weight Watchers, do you know why Valerie Bertinelli did it like 20 times? Because it doesn't gaining work. She the weight back. She and gained they, it back. And she thought, this time I'll be good. It's not Valerie's fault. It it's not Kirstie's fault. It's not their fault. Here's a quote from the author of that study that I just noted from UCLA showing that people who diet almost always regain the weight. Quote, we concluded most of them would have been better off not going on the diet at all. Their weight would be pretty much the same and their bodies would not suffer the wear and tear from losing weight and gaining it all back. Here's my question. How does that play into studies that show you need to lose weight to affect these things? Does well, it play into those? They said if you lose weight, it'll go away. Great. So uh, if you're going to regain the weight, how is that going to affect those things? But you just lose weight again. Great. Sounds great. <laughs> Number two, um, as mentioned in the quote I just read, there are a lot of health problems you can get from dieting. For example, a lot of the dieting things I did led to disordered eating. They exacerbated my gut issues. They exacerbated my mental health issues. They exacerbated everything, literally everything in my body. My PCOS, my doctor told me, hey, if you hadn't done yo-yo dieting, it probably wouldn't be as bad because your PCOS is affected by your insulin, which you messed up by yo-yo dieting. Great. They so told was that us to get, it? They told us to, yeah, yeah. They told me to go they on South to. Beach. They told us all to go on South Beach. Remember South Beach? They told us. You remember that? Okay. So <laughs> I do. Back to that 10% question. Why does losing 10% of your body weight make any sense when you're talking about a huge range of weight? If I lost 10% of my body weight, guess what? I'd still be fat. Would you be telling me to lose another 10%? Yep. How's losing 10% going to help? It's an arbitrary number. It What's means it different do? things for different people. Guess what? I lost weight in the last year. I don't know how much because I don't measure my weight anymore. I lost weight in the last year. Um, I still have PCOS. So So what's the truth? But <laughs> I may regain that weight because I don't know, I wasn't trying to lose that weight. It was from like, you know, not being able to eat because my stomach hurt all the time. My PCOS will still be there. 
What are you saying? Like, what do you mean better health outcomes? And what about all, like, the thin people and the runners who have knee arthritis? Who have all those things. Is it our fault? And how do you know that those things you're saying are made better by losing 10% of weight? How do you know that those aren't happening just from healthy eating changes? What if you looked at how PCOS, how insulin-related things, how all these other things are affected by uh, different healthy eating? Guess what? Um, they've actually done a study on that, and um, we'll link to it in the show notes. And it shows that intuitive eating, exercise, and ding, 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 self acceptance deliver much better health outcomes than dieting. Huh? Huh? Interesting. 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 Interesting Honestly, like I really feel like we learned correlation is not causation like a long time ago. You know what? Clearly not and all of us. The fact that we have a lot of studies that show that weight bias can really harm patients more than almost anything yep. in the health profession. Weight bias is so harmful that it it is theorized by some people that it accounts for that huge difference between thin people and fat people with the same medical outcome that weight bias from society and doctors yeah okay like think about how harmful this is they're like we don't actually know that much about it it might hurt you in the long time in fact it will hurt you in the long term but this is what they told us to tell you so Literally, lose weight it makes me so <laughs> insane that these Doctors are like, um, I don't know what I'm supposed to say because I'm told that I'm supposed to tell you to lose weight even though I know it won't work. What are you doing? Like, you're telling me to harm myself, but <laughs> you're a doctor. Yeah. you got to think about it for, like, 30 seconds longer. Think about... Please. Like, if you tell me to lose weight, I lose weight, then I'm going to regain it? Like, for sure. Because <laughs> here's the thing. Like, I really don't want listeners to misconstrue this as, like, we're just ranting because we don't want to be told we're fat. Yeah. We're literally telling you both of us have lost weight several times and gained it so back. So much and weight. harmed from it. Yes. <laughs> it's We're not better for it. We're not like, well, maybe if I try again. How many different ways can we try again? Literally injected myself with pregnancy hormones to lose weight. I was on Atkins in third grade. <laughs> like. <laughs> like, please. Don't do this. Think of this through, doctors. Think Just it through. Think think about if it were you and somebody was telling you, hey, well, putting your hand on a hot stove burns, but they said it would get rid of your rash, so yeah, it, that's I what mean, it sounds like. You sound crazy. You like, please stop. Yeah. Um, okay. So that is my, like, overarching feeling about these questions about, like, but there's evidence. No, there's not. Think it through. <laughs> there's not. Please look. Please look harder. Please read. And in reality, think about what you are recommending. And for the doctors who wrote in who genuinely are just, like, trying to maintain a sort of, like, haze perspective and are in this culture where it's very much not the yeah. norm, I cut we the, see you. We appreciate you. I yeah. have their actual questions below. I wanted to start with all their questions in a row because I really felt like it showed how even people who are trying so hard, like, or thinking about this stuff are just trying they're coming up against this institutional mm -hmm. fat hatred okay so and that's we haven't even talked about fat woman like uterus pain or whatever the fuck that Jeez. was i feel like that could, that could be another we don't episode. even need we to could, talk we could about go that. going to the gyno another it'll be another so much. time Oof. okay so here's the actual questions that were asked quote have you or you or people you know been diagnosed with any of these conditions? What did your doctor recommend or what would you have preferred your doctor to have recommended? This was the 10% weight loss question. Yeah, um, weight loss was recommended to me. And again, it did not help any of my conditions. Uh, in fact, I did lose weight and then, then regained it and it exacerbated those conditions. I prefer to my, for my doctor to treat that condition in the same way that they would for a thin person. Because again, all the diseases you mentioned are also things that thin people get, period. And just think about how you would tell a thin a, a runner who has the same issue. Would you treat their symptoms differently? Bet you would. Let's not. <laughs> Let's not. Thank you. Next one. 
Quote, first, how do you think a physician's own body size affects how you relate to them? Second, can you recommend any strategies for me to work within my professional circle to make healthcare for children and teens more body positive? Okay, for me, honestly, I've had enough fat doctors who are self-hating that when someone walks in who's fat, I honestly expect them to be worse to me about my weight. Because they're not even really talking to you. But like, if somebody walks in and they're like, hey, and they give you like... The nod, mm. you know what I mean? I've never gotten the nod from a doctor. Uh, I've gotten it a couple of times and they're just like, hey, what's up? Like, I'm PCOS too, or oh, whatever. That would be so nice. Like, that's great. If you're like, yeah, I struggle with like XYZ too, you know? Like, I also get people giving me comments at the gym. Mm-hmm. Like, we're in this together. Yeah. Like, that's awesome. Sometimes in the same way that like people who have never experienced the things you experience, it makes me just kind of stare blankly into the middle distance when thin doctors are like, have you learned about vegetables? (laughs) They're like, you know you're supposed to drink water, right? Not just Fanta. They're like, did you walk in? (laughs) Was it a forklift or was it some sort of chair? Just was like, yeah, dude. Did you walk in? Literally the level of disrespect. It's like, truly, I want to throw hands at the doctor so often. They're just always like, I'd like to tell you, I'd like to spread the gospel of Brussels sprouts to Please. you and your family. I'm missing with that Here bullshit. are the good news. I'm just like, leave me alone. <laughs> so, you know, it may be hard to like hear it from, you know, your thin, thin, like perch of 120 pounds or whatever the fuck we're supposed to be, but like, fuck off. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I'm so mad. I really, I really just want our listeners at home to just think when you're saying the thing, you just got to think it a little bit so before it comes out because it sounds doctors, wild. How many doctors have you been to who literally think, they're like, I really think this fat person has never considered dieting. I got to tell them. <laughs> I got to let them know. Like, what do you like? What do you really think we're doing? You, you really think, is there a fat person on this planet who woke up and forgot they were fat for a second? Okay. Um, quote, strategies for you to work within your professional circle to make healthcare for children and teens more body positive. I don't know, man. It sounds like you're doing as much as you can, truly. That letter writer sounded like they were working hard. Especially when it comes to teens. All teens really need is just empathy. Like, I feel like all my experiences at the doctor as a teen were just me being gaslit left and right. Totally. Just witness them, treat their symptoms, listen to them. Yeah. That's it. Teens are never listened to. It sucks. Okay, next question. (laughs) Quote, while healthfulness at different weights is possible, in my mind, there are limits to this ideal. There are extreme weights that are near impossible to be healthy at. Okay, sure. Yeah, dead people are dead. <laughs> like, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, sure. That's a straw man argument. Yeah, I don't understand. And it's almost like you're looking to us for validation. Like, do you really want us to tell you, like, oh, yeah, my 900-pound life by my 900 pound life is that the show whatever i don't like, know that, that's fine yeah it's like, like i no. agree they should be shamed and unhealthy no, no but we're literally saying like go to the when i go to the doctor i expect to be treated like a normal human being and they're like are you sure but like you really mean that for everybody for are you everybody. sure for everyone though aren't there some people who don't deserve that I'm like no even if someone is stuck in their house right now fistful of cheetos they still deserve to be treated with care and respect at the doctor also, like, we no, will not waver on I'm this i'm sorry but like no weight like sure there's complications that can come from any level of weight 
literally at any time. Yep. Like, for example, you could be um, very thin. Like, for example, some of my friends who suffered from or, you know, survived, again, mm-hmm. however you want to say it, different kinds of other eating disorders. I had a lot of, you know, binge eating and other disordered eating behaviors. Some of my friends who had more restrictive eating behaviors um, got down to a weight that was unhealthy for them. That was not treated by just telling them to eat more. Like we, that's not. We're not saying they should go in and should be like, "Have a sandwich, bitch." Right. <laughs> like, and saying, by the treat way, them with empathy. Nobody talks to people who are quote unquote too thin the way they talk to people who are too fat. No. Nobody would talk to someone who they felt was quote unquote dangerously thin mm-hmm. and just be like, "Just eat more." If you're a doctor, no, I know people no. say that like in real life. And yeah, they're idiots. But like, no doctor is going to say that. They're going to be like, "Oh, how can we like treat what's going on?" Exactly. So let's. So that's why I'm saying like, let's not pretend like this is really about health. Yeah. Yeah. This is about your personal biases. Yeah. Check that shit at the door. This is my body. And also just like, okay, so somebody is, you know, somebody's at the far, far heaviest extreme. They have a TV show about them. They can't get out of bed. Mm-hmm. You think the best thing you can do for them as their healthcare provider is tell them to go on a diet? Is that your like, answer? Th- think it through. You really think they're in their house and they've never had the thought of, I should drink water. And and like, do, what please. do you think you're winning by having us say like sure they're maybe not as healthy as they could be, like what are you winning with that? Why do you need someone to tell you that for you to feel better about your I biases? Don't get it. We're not giving it to you. Okay, next one. Quote: Do you have any recommendations on resources to fill any holes in my understanding on this matter? Do I have a big blind spot in the way that I'm presenting the situation? I would say all of the above of what we said, and honestly. Every single doctor who feels this way, consider what you would say to someone who isn't fat, who has the symptoms or diagnosis that you're looking at. There is no illness or diagnosis that only happens to fat people except for fat. Yes. That's Mm -hmm. it. There's no diagnosis. There's no fat people disease. There's not. So if that's the case, there's got to be things you can say. That you would say to thin people. You know, it's totally appropriate to ask somebody what their diet and exercise is like. Ask if they would want recommendations for a nutritionist. Ask if they feel like they have a healthy relationship with food. Absolutely. That is totally appropriate. Nobody is saying don't ever talk about food. Don't ever talk about eating. Don't walk in and make assumptions. Don't look at me and say, we're going to check that sugar, right? Literally, are you (laughs) saying that to the thin girls who go in there who eat donuts every single morning? Like you're not. You're not. It's about your biases. So, like, if you're not talking about healthy eating, if you're not talking about intuitive eating, if you're not talking about learning about how food interacts with your specific body with every patient, don't just do it with fat people or else you're biased. The end. Finally, I wanted to wrap up with this piece that 10 people sent me. (laughs) Really? From Business Insider. Um, It's uh, basically like an open letter signed by a bunch of scientists, health professionals, and then weirdly, like actresses okay (laughs) playing models and stuff all right it's called five things the weight loss industry doesn't want you to know has a bunch of um studies linked in it it has a bunch of stats it has a bunch of interesting information number one quote the vast majority of diets do not lead to sustained weight loss what they do lead to is rampant preoccupation with food and weight a toxic cultural thin ideal Body dissatisfaction, disordered eating, and for 10% of our population, life-threatening eating disorders. 
common wisdom says that obesity is associated with health risks, but the story isn't that simple. Studies on dieting rarely control for factors like fitness, activity, nutrient intake, weight cycling, or socioeconomic status. When they do, increased risk of disease all but disappears. Because diets don't work, more often they result in an endless cycle of gaining and losing weight, which in turn increases inflammation and risk for many obesity-associated diseases. Weight cycling can account for all of the excess mortality associated with obesity in studies. It may well be that the association between weight and health risk is better attributed to dieting than to weight itself. When we shift the focus from weight management to health outcomes that matter, the results are striking. Evidence from six randomized controlled trials indicates that a health at every size approach is associated with improvements in physiological measures, i.e. blood pressure, blood lipids, health behaviors, i.e. physical activity, eating disorder, pathology, and psychosocial outcomes like mood, self-esteem, and body image. When we focus on health, our bodies settle at their healthiest weight, which looks different for everyone. So like, y'all, I know it's hard out there. I know you only have 15 minutes for us to come through your practice, but how about you use that time to ask us? questions yep. and not just lecture us about diets. Because if you were writing in asking me, how can I make sure that my patients who don't have the healthiest relationship with food get a better relationship and eat healthfully, I would be asking you a way different question back. If you're asking me, why can't I tell my fat patients to diet? Listen to the podcast again. <laughs> just... Hit. Just rewind. Replay. And listen, we recognize that when you're coming from medical school, you're not being taught health at every size. I understand that you're going to have to come up against all that's been ingrained in you, but I'm asking you to go ahead and take the extra step of doing that because like, our, my life is at risk, literally. Yeah. Just change. Can we talk about diet to what's your relationship with food? That would be great. Do you, what, what's your exercise routine like? Don't assume that fat people don't exercise. What's your exercise routine like? Let's talk about it. Like provide that compassionate care that I know you want to do. That's why you're a doctor. I know it. I know you can do it. We believe in you. Thank you so much, Dr. Hannah's. Let's do better. Okay. So that's the meat of it for this week. We've yelled at doctors. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. welcome. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Wakandan Cosmetics. Want the glowing, poreless skin of Lupita Nyong'o and Daniel Kaluuya's effortless dew? Try out Wakandan Cosmetics today. Got a bearded loved one? Get them Killmonger's spiteful but hot beard oil. And for the fair-skinned Wakandans in your life, I recommend the Colonizer Concealer. (laughs) If you'd like to become a beloved advertiser, contact us via our website. Thanks. I say via. Keep that in. (laughs) Now let's move on to It's Okay You Can Ask, a segment where I struggle to find questions to ask Sophie because I honestly don't think whiteness is that mysterious. And this was your segment idea. So (laughs) we'll find out the answers to our burning questions like, are we back on Monique's side yet? A real text I sent you. Or who is Casey Musgraves? (laughs) Great. So April, Mm -hmm. so um, a lot of times we'll talk about like, don't task your black friend with these questions. Okay. And I'll be like, tweet at me instead. Ask the other white people in your life. But then people started actually tweeting me and messaging me questions about if things are racist or not. All right. And like, I don't want that. (laughs) Um, You did ask for that explicitly. But here's the thing. (laughs) Like, really what I meant by that is like, don't ask black people if something's racist or not. Mm -hmm. Do the work to figure it out. Don't ask me. (laughs) 
So your what is your question? <laughs> I mean, I want to know if I'm tripping. <laughs> I'm oh just man, kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I want to know if like. You know, it, it feels wrong to me to have white people ask another white person as an authority on if something's okay or not. I'm like, that's not, that seems wrong. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying, so go, I'm obviously not reversing mm-hmm. and saying, so go ask black people. But, like, I can't say if something's racist or not. I still have, like, racism embedded in me. Mm-hmm. I can't give you a pass on it. Yeah. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> so you're, it's okay, you can ask is, how do you... Like, tell white what people you, what do you wish white people were saying to each other i what i imagine in my ideal world genuinely speaking is that white people are in a room brainstorming they're like uh n-word let's see 200 years out it seems like it's not a big deal but maybe not they said they don't like it i don't know let's let's put up a board let's see like i literally want to see white people making pro con lists and like working this shit out together by themselves so what i'm saying is i don't think people should approach you as an authority because yeah Sophie's not the racism no. police. That doesn't make sense. No. But I think it should more be like, hey, listen, I'm really trying to, you know, recenter my the way that my brain is set up as far as like racism and all my biases and stuff. So I have an inkling that this might be racist, but just checking in, what do you think? Or like, let's talk about this. This let's seems talk about fucked this. up to me. Let's talk about like, it. I, I would I would hope that it's more of like a let's trial and error together and let's try to figure it out. Cause the other only alternative is like ask a black person and it's like, don't ask a black person. Right. So my real true goal for like us as progressives is that white people are doing their best to figure it out amongst themselves. And I assume there will be some failures. Like, yeah. of course there will I be. I mean, the thing is like so much of it is like, like if you lean one way, you, the conversation is people are too sensitive now. And if you lean the other way, it's, am I allowed? <laughs> it's just stop no i think i mean i think it's a good thing that people are thinking critically but i think you really got to step beside outside of yourself and say okay is this one like sketch on jimmy fallon racist that doesn't really matter the reality is what behaviors and like things that i contribute to society what of those things are racist well i'm just like, not trying that to figure interested that out in like if a t-shirt from walmart is racist probably no, probably those things don't like, matter sure. i mean i i understand the thought process the thought process because i think it's kind of like oh i'm just beginning to notice racism i see it in this snl clip let's talk about that also i see it in my dad's behavior yeah. let's talk about that i get that it's you know but i i think it's just try to have those bigger conversations amongst yourselves no, don't right. so much focus on don't like ask me because the thing is yes kim kardashian's cornrows are racist i don't give a fuck i'm being followed at rite aid every day <laughs> that's my main issue anyway the thing is i know i know it's annoying but i'm i'm happy that white people are figuring it out by themselves it just feels like such a step one like it yeah. feels you know that mean it is step the, one like, though the four brains yes yes and it's like just it's like a little step spark. one is tweet at someone and ask them if this is racist mm-hmm. step two is like google it yourself <laughs> Step three is, like, do readings that many white people and people of color have put together for you Mm -hmm. about these issues and realize that maybe your specific little question isn't going to be answered in a paper about this, but you're going to learn about the structures that that question fits into. Totally. And number four, just realize the answer is always yes, it's racist. <laughs> like, the thing is, I think what people are, are realizing is, like, you saw the SNL clip, you got an itch in your brain. You have to learn to identify it, like the feeling of like, what is that? That's fucked up. That's just the beginning. And, you know, I'm glad that you're finally paying attention to that instead of just ignoring it (laughs) for your own personal benefit. (laughs) I think a lot of people are just wanting, 
like they see something racist, they want to be anti-racist, right? So they see something that's racist and then they want to be like, I see it's racist. It's bad, right? And I'm like, cool. You're still white, dude. We all got it in us. And also like, like, that's not, that's not anti-racist. Right. (laughs) Like you being able to acknowledge that Kim Kardashian's cornrows are racist is actually, I know it's not, I know it's, that seems like work, like being able to identify it. But the real work is like, you walk into a boardroom at your job, there's only white people, a job opens. Are you recommending a person of color? Are you? And are you having a conversation with Steve when he says something about the best candidate? (laughs) Like, because that's, that's. The work. And he talks about the culture of the company and he means other white guys. Are you saying something then? Or are you on Twitter talking about Kim's cornrows? Do you realize that <laughs> every Please. single one of your girlfriends is white? Are you going to tell me that's just because that's who was in your hometown? Because I don't believe you. <laughs> I just... Like, do the work. If if you guys want to tweet at me and be like, where's some good text to start with? Oh, that's, a, that's a great tip. That's a you great know? tip. For sure. The, reset, the resources are out there. Like, keep thinking, but also reading and also acting. That's our tip. This was a chill episode in the way that sometimes you need, like, you need to jump in, like, the hot tub before you get in the cold pool. You know what I mean? What's our cold pool? The outro song. All right. (laughs) So you've got through our screaming, and pretty soon you're going to get to hear that outro song. (laughs) Congrats. Um, You guys, thank you for sticking with us through this episode. Talking about doctors gets me real riled up. Sorry, but also, like, I hope it was cathartic, you know? And if you're a doctor, I hope you learned your lesson. <laughs> Listen up, Buster. <laughs> yeah. um, right. You guys, I just want to say we, like, love you very much. And I feel very, like, protective of and loving towards our fat community. And I just think you deserve the best health care and the best respect And if you're a person of color, like the least questions about if things are racist and I just really want the best for you. And that's why I get upset. So I hope you feel the love through my voice getting higher and higher. (laughs) And you know what? (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. Oh my God. Okay. Let's do the credits. Okay. (laughs) And another thing. (laughs) (laughs) and that's our show be sure to check out the show notes for links to the stuff we mentioned today and don't forget to send us your questions via email or voice recording to fyi at she's please make sure to leave us a review on apple podcasts it's super important in making sure people find the show and if you leave us a review on apple podcasts we'll give you a shout out on the pod next week She's All Fat is created, produced, and hosted by us, Sophie Carter-Khan and April K. Quio. We are an independent production. If you'd like to support the work we do, you can join our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash she's all fat pod. When you pledge to be a supporter, you'll get all sorts of goodies and extra content. This week, we're posting more information, resources, and readings about health just for our Patreon supporters. Our music was composed and produced by Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs. Our website is designed by Jesse Fish, and our logo is by Britt Scott. This episode was mixed and edited by the iconic Maria Wortel. Our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter handles are at She's All Fat Pod. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Bye! like t-pain you know <laughs> you know where I come from, oh my god you guys she's been doing this all week she's been doing this <laughs>
she just laugh cries for like 20 minutes. Oh my God. She can't handle it. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.